0: There's no silver bullet. I think a lot of SME owners are sitting there saying, but if only I had this client, or if only I had this app. It's not true. Like that's total pie in the sky thinking. It is about, it's the Ikigai principle. It's 1% improvement every day across everything.
1: At Conigal, we are proud to help amazing entrepreneurs run great businesses. We've learned that the greatest superpower a business owner can have to run a high-performing business is doing things in spite of, i.e. in spite of great difficulties. Hi, I'm Constance, and welcome to the Doing In Spite Of podcast, where we feature business owners and share their learnings. I'm here today with Scott Larson from Labona Collection, who distributes New Zest in Southeast Asia. He's also working on some very new, exciting ventures that we're going to talk about today. How are you doing today, Scott?
0: Fantastic.
1: Labona Collection is the sixth or seventh business that you've now built from scratch, and you're at this point where it's self-sustaining. What is the key thing that you think you did differently this time to reach the point where your business could run by itself, profitably, and with minimal personal input?
0: Yes, I've owned a number of businesses over the years. I guess I'm a born entrepreneur. So even through high school and secondary school and university, I always had a sideline business that I was running. And I was always conscious, having read Robert Kiyosaki's book as a young kid, I was very focused on exchanging time for money, setting up businesses with a focus on how can you thread the eye of the needle, to put it in his terms, to make sure that your business is essentially running itself or can scale. This time around with Labono, it also hasn't been so easy. This company's been going 13 years and it's only been really in the last two years where I've achieved a scale and a presence that I'm able to fully outsource the entire company. And fortunately, it's a business model, which is very conducive to outsourcing. So logistics, anyone in this space will have heard of 3PL, pick pack and logistics and then automation of processes. So I haven't really done anything different. It's just using the same principle for a different company. And every company you do is going to use different principles and different tools.
1: The incredible thing to me is that you're now the only dedicated person in your company running News S by Labono. You're a one-man show. What are the pros and cons of running a business this way?
0: There, There is a big pro and con of being a one-man business. You're correct that I don't have any full-time employees for any business. And that was a change that I made in around about 2017, 2018. I grew up in a family where my dad always ran a business and we run a family business he was a print broker. And my observation of his business, and I really love it, is that everyone in your business becomes part of your extended family. The problem with that is that it's still a company and when times are good, things are great. But when market forces impact your business or you lose a major account, which basically derails everything as a owner, the buck stops with you. And when you've got a team of five or 10 people and you've created this tight knit family and you've got to let go of Harry, it's devastating emotionally to people that I've got to kick the brother off the team. At that time, I had to let go of some really amazing stuff. Because I did that, it the whole dynamic in the business was like if this person's not able to stay, then no one is going to stay. When I rebuilt my company, I went back to running it all by myself, picking packing boxes. So walking down Orchard Road with a trolley, really humbling stuff. But when I started to rebuild out my company, my focus was always work with part timers and automate first outsource second, hire whoever I have to on a have to only basis. My time should be spent on tasks that are either so urgent they need my attention or trying to do stuff that builds more automations and can manage more outsourcing or manage the manager who's managing my outsourcing. And for a small business, I don't have a team who's going to be my redundancy team or, so yes, there was a little while, a short while of one or two months where I doubled up on work, but very quickly we could see that it was working. And if I could problem solve the problems quicker than spending the time to do the redundancy, I'm better off spending the time to solve the process problem of the new system.
1: You're really living the principle of time is money in a business. So just for us to get an idea, could you step through an example of how you go about outsourcing one aspect of your business?
0: There is a group of people that you need to outsource work to who are way better than you at doing that work. So a good example for me is that I really dislike doing a lot of administrative work around accounting, specifically. My outsourced accountant actually logs into a cloud-based accounting system. It's very popular. It's called Xero. So when a order is made, the invoice will be auto-generated. It'll push into Xero. My client will get an invoice copy. Then my accountant, who's much better than me, will go ahead and make sure that it's all reconciled and let me know about margins or overexpending, just anything that can come up. As far as normal day-to-day things or looking out on a monthly or a quarterly view of your business, are you overextending or are you underextending?
1: Scott's success in running his business comes from two things, a clear vision of what he wants his business to achieve and good business fundamentals that he's learned from industry leaders. Scott continues to describe these business fundamentals.
0: Sometimes you need to overextend to grow. But how long can you keep doing that for before you really need to make some very hard choices? One of the fundamentals I say to people all the time is in import-export, which is what the new zest business is, It's a relatively simple business that people make complicated or it becomes complicated as you go on. The simplicity of the business is let's say you have a teaspoon. You need to buy it for a dollar, sell it for two dollars and make sure that your overheads and the operational costs are no less, no more than a dollar. So you can't be spending more than you're making. These business fundamentals are true for any business anywhere in the world in my opinion. And then once you have them nailed in, it's about selling more. But protecting your margin. I could sell a million dollars tomorrow if I was gonna give a million dollars away for no money. But that's not selling, that's giving it away. So you need to be able to create enough value in the market or grow a brand big enough that people are willing to pay the price that you know you can run on on an indefinite basis. There's a lot of people that give up on things before they've really tried. And the same is true for business. You need to understand the game. You need to do the repetitions of the game until you understand how the game is played. For me, that takes a long time. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I would have been a surgeon if I was the smartest guy in the room. But, um, but I am pers- persistent and I try to do the fundamentals well. I think a lot of people overlook how important fundamentals are.
1: Today's entrepreneurship world is filled with quick win hacks and the chase of exponential growth in short periods of time. But Scott is able to cut through all the noise and focus on business fundamentals to drive his business. Focused persistence helps you pull through rough times and hones your skills to overcome rougher times later. It's a powerful superpower for the business owner. Now that NewsS is stable, you've jumped on yet another business opportunity, Nordic Labs, which provides diagnostic tests based on DNA for licensed practitioners. This is quite different from selling consumer goods. So how have you changed your go-to-market strategy?
0: So another thing that I take I took from that Robert Kiyosaki book that I mentioned before is every good business is a network. I've really developed a very strong network with people in the health industry within Singapore over the last 13 years with the News S company. And because of that network, I've been able to go out to them with this new partner that I have with Nordic Labs To resell to them, I've already developed a lot of trust there and a lot of loyalty with a great brand. And now when I come to them with something new and Nordic have a lot of prowess in the industry, a lot of people know about them already. When I combine my trust and relationship with their built trust and relationship, it really works well. As a mode to market, New Zest is not just a plant-based protein company. It's really at creating quite a, a very high grade or the highest grade of nutrition possible. So because of that, the method to market with New Zest originally was to softly educate people for a number of years only through practitioners. When you're sitting in a seat in front of a doctor or a nutritionist, they really have your ear for a whole hour and so 15 minutes of that hour can be talking about an amazing product and all the things in it that are good for them and the reasons why they're good for them. So that is the connection of why I have a direct contact into a lot of the nutritionists, naturopaths and functional medical doctors who also use NuZest.
1: So even when the product was different, you were able to leverage the same network. Right. Maybe let's wind back a bit, because even if something is good, it's not always easy to convince someone to buy it. We can take NewZest as an example. How did you win over customers with products that's new, unconventional, or hard to explain?
0: Within NewZest, there are two primary product lines, Clean Lean Protein and Good Green Vitality. The clean lean protein is much easier to educate the public on because all I need to say is this is a plant-based source of protein as opposed to the story that I need to say about Good Green Vitality. This has 75 ingredients. It's a complete nutraceutical. So there are all of your vitamins, minerals, but there's also topopherols, phytonutrients, adaptogens, As soon as I start talking like this to a regular person in the public, they're gone. They don't care. My entry point is with Clean Lean Protein and once we've built the trust and we have their attention, we start a slow conversation to educate them about good green vitality, what's in that product, how they can be replacing a multivitamin with this. And that evolves over time to a point where they'll try a sachet and then they'll either like it or not and they'll become a customer. If I had to build an audience again from scratch, the complexity of the product matters a lot. If it's a commodity that I'm bringing in, which really is more catered, more toward a totally different niche market, of course I can't leverage the same people in the same way. So I really try to stay very focused about who am I speaking to, what may interest them and how I can deliver value back to that person. So I'm not trying to sell all things to all people at all times. And I think that's a flaw of a salesperson. And I, I really try not to speak about what is irrelevant people, because in sales and developing a company, you need to stay relevant to what people are interested in. Otherwise, if you lose interest, you lose everything.
1: Scott starts with a simpler product and leverages that success in branding to earn trust and buy-in for a more complicated product. Recognizing how your audience gets value from your product can help you find the right go-to-market. Let's fast forward to your current venture with Nordic Labs. How do you now introduce high-complexity products, such as a diagnostic test, to your customers?
0: I'm not medically trained. I'm not a biochemist. So most of the tests within the Nordic Labs portfolio, I don't know a lot about. But the people I'm presenting to know all about it. In fact, they've been using tests like this for 10, 20 years. All I'm trying to do with Nordic Labs is expose this group of people to a better system and a better way of ordering to help reach their international clients. They already know how to use the test, how to interpret the tests. I don't need to pitch the test. I am pitching the solution. There is a very distinct line for me between what a salesman is or what an entrepreneur salesperson is and what they need to know, and who your end client is, and what they do know, and I give the total respect to whoever I'm talking to, I always want to acknowledge it's highly likely they know 100 times more than me.
1: I think that you sell in a very interesting way. What most people are doing when they're selling is that they're trying to be that expert to convince customers that there are new and better ways of doing things. Well, you're not trying to be an expert at all. You're giving that respect to your customers as a way of building rapport.
0: So that's a good point that you just said, because if you're trying to be the smartest person in the room and it becomes a competition, what you'll find is it'll turn off a lot of people simply out of ego by bringing yourself down a level. And I often open a lot of my meetings saying, look, I'm not the guy to call if you need help on the analysis of this. But we have world-renowned physicians and practitioners who can absolutely help you, and I'm more than happy to be the person to get the right answer to you. If someone knows a little bit, or if someone knows actually what they're talking about, then they can tell very, very quickly that you're just talking nonsense. And that's the worst position because now you've lost trust and credibility. Don't fake it till you make it.
1: You don't fake it till you make it. Isn't that what lots of people say that got them success in the first place?
0: You don't need to fake it. If you're honest with people and just honest about your capability, uh, I really trust in what I'm selling and I've done a lot of due diligence around it. A lot of people in this space have said amazing things. So I have enough validation points to really get behind it from other experts.
1: Right, okay.
0: So it doesn't matter that I'm not the expert. What matters is that I'm sufficiently happy that what I'm pushing or what I'm bringing to market for this company is is really amazing.
1: So if a business owner wants to reach that stage that you're currently at, which is having that business on autopilot and able to take on new opportunities, knowing your goals is one thing, but what must you do on a day-to-day basis?
0: So there's a great book by, I think it's Brian Tracy called, I think it's a view from the top. He has a great line saying, don't work in your business, work on your business. Yes, as a solepreneur, you're going to be in your business most of the time. But if you never work on your business, you'll never grow. You have to just start focusing once a month on knocking something off on an automated level. Because if you don't, you can't, in this day and age, you're not going to be able to make it because smarter people than you or other business owners are doing this. And they're putting in a thousand hours of work a day for the same amount of time that you're putting in because they have the automations running. You can't keep up with, you either are embracing technology or you will die. And it's going to happen quicker and quicker. So don't be Kodak.
1: Kodak famously refused to embrace digital for the fear of cannibalizing its old analog business. And it showed complacency when even other competitors in the analog space like fuji started to outperform them scott shows how important it is not to shun away from new industry changes and how embracing these changes can eventually bring more success for your business an open mind and forward thinking mindset is a powerful superpower for the business owner scott further highlights how today's small business landscape has evolved and how business owners can greatly benefit from it.
0: I actually wrote an article about this a little while ago and I call it the great Gatsby effect. What small business owners don't understand for the most part is that if you had started your business 20 years ago or 15 years ago, to pay for the tools that you can now get for free or for 5 or $20 or $100 a month, you would have paid tens hundreds of thousands of dollars to build those tools right now the great Gatsby effect is that you can put together using various plugins a system that makes you look like a much larger company and it's so amazing I have a process around this so every six months I'll commit one day to my phone and then every six months I'll commit one day to my apps and plugins And I'll spend a whole day reviewing all of the new apps on my phone to see are there any apps that I'm missing out on that really can speed up my productivity or make my life way better. I think there's a lot of apps and plugins that small businesses are not taking advantage of. And I really try to stay open to new technology. Whenever someone comes to me with an idea, I really want to try it because you never know what's going to really be impactful and what may not be impactful.
1: Do you think it's that fear that you might break something or that you might waste all your time not able to get somewhere with a new widget or a plugin that stops business owners from trying new things?
0: There's no silver bullet. I think a lot of SME owners are sitting there saying, but if only I had this client or if only I had this app, It's not true. That's total pie in the sky thinking. It's the Ikigai principle. It's 1% improvement every day across everything. So it might be 1% on one app today that gets you a little closer. So for me, with Conigal, one of the features of the app, because it's extremely comprehensive and it really gives a lot of insight into your company. But the thing that I've found really helpful is the consolidation of all my competitors and real-time pricing movements to one place. Often I'm asked to report back what a competitor is doing in, in the space. Instead of having to repeat a process, this is one automation which is right there for me. I log into the app and have that information on my fingertips.
1: We'll be back with Scott after a word from Conigle. Conigle is a business management software which provides workflows to help you manage your inventory, sales orders, and customers seamlessly. Conigle is built with a focus on improving your profits. We recognize that well-designed workflows across multiple business functions are what enables SME businesses to grow. Visit conigle.com D-I-S-O to get a free demo on how it works. We were discussing about how many small businesses reach a choke point where scaling their business becomes really difficult. I mean, there are many reasons to this, but how do you see technology playing a part in bringing their business to the next level?
0: As a business owner, there will be a size of your company where it becomes very, very clear that a complete change needs to be done. Because if it can be all-encompassing within one architectured system, it is always going to work better than a blanket which has been stuck together with a hundred other bits of blanket. One of the guys I listen to is called Jason Calacanis, and what they talk about a lot is that businesses reach pivot points of certain amount of employees or certain size where the systems that could be put together for that size of a company or the management required won't work for the next size. So I'm not sure of what these particular sizes are, but let's say it's a thousand person company going from one to 1000 people, everything changes. Going from one to a thousand staff, which is a great big company already, if you haven't changed everything by a thousand people, you're not going to 10,000 because your systems are gonna break. When you outsource something, I assume that the people who you're outsourcing to have made those investments on your behalf and they are running the industry leading systems. So by outsourcing, you're maybe paying fractionally more, but that decision exponentially pays for itself. You get more team for less money. You get a better system for less money.
1: Here in the podcast, we believe that doing in spite of is that superpower that business owners harness to achieve incredible things. What enables you to do things in spite of, and how has it impacted your entrepreneurial journey so far?
0: The one thing that I really believe strongly in and has worked for me. Whether it was correct or incorrect was something I read in The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Basically, in one of the principles in that book, he outlined that in order to get your best out of all of your military might is that when you land on the beach of your enemy, you need to burn the boats and the bridges that got you there. And what that really is saying is that if there is no other way out than to make it work, Funny enough, a lot of the time you'll find the solution and that has worked for me again and again that when I'm in a seemingly impossible situation, focus on the one thing that will turn it around and the one thing that will turn it around might be more sales is the answer or the one thing that will turn it around will be chase your money in. But there will be one thing and you put everything you have behind that one thing If you're half in and half out of an idea, then you won't have the ability to commit completely. So burn the bridges, burn the boats, and just keep charging, but don't charge blindfolded. You need to make sure that you're very precise about where you're charging to, what is the strategy, what is the plan, and it will normally be one thing you need to fix in order to turn it all around and you will know how to fix it in the future. So the next time that problem happens, you're not going to be worried about it because you know exactly what to do. Before I let
1: you go, Scott, what would you say is one non-negotiable value for you and your business, be it New or otherwise?
0: My non-negotiable moves toward the person who I'm doing business with, like my stakeholder, and trying to really add value to the stakeholder. That might be a customer, I need to really make their experience to the best of my ability the best I can. And ideally, you want to be giving way more value out than you're receiving. And for your own personal life, you want to be feeling very valued in your life because value is attached to gratefulness and gratefulness is attached to happiness.
1: Thank you so much, Scott, for coming onto the podcast today. It's really, really awesome things you were able to share, and I'm very grateful for your time. I'll see you around later, yeah?
0: Thank you so much, Constance, for your time today. That was a really cool chat, and I look forward to listening to all of your podcasts.
1: Scott's working on new amazing stuff all the time, so if you'd like to reach out to him, we've linked his socials on this episode's page on DoingInSpiteOf.com. If you've got questions for us on this episode, you can reach out to us on our Twitter or Instagram at doinginspiteof. We look forward to hearing from you. That's all for now. See you guys in the next episode. Take care.